I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News Beat. Hey, everyone. This is Manny Faces, co-producer, audio editor, and host of News Beat. Now, our initial vision for this show is pretty much what you hear in our full award-winning episodes a deep dive into important social justice issues that usually only get the surface treatment by mainstream media delivered in our unique style. Interviews with experts, activists, and those affected by injustice mixed with music and often original lyrical contributions from brilliant independent hip-hop artists. As we often say, it's like Democracy Now! and Black Thought from the Roots had a podcast, baby. Along the way, we've added a new tool into our arsenal, This Week in Social Justice a video show that airs live on our social networks and then fed to our podcast feed. Now, that casual but expertly curated show allows us to keep shining light on these issues in a timely manner, keeping our audiences informed and engaged on an ongoing basis. Now, today's episode is yet again a new twist on what we do. Longtime listeners will recognize one of our recurring themes, whether it was Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s unfinished business or the depth of Rosa Parks' activist spirit or the true breakdown of our nation's colonization of Puerto Rico. We've labeled a few select episodes, quote, what you didn't learn in school. This will be the first of a new style of episode following our foundational mantra to take an unconventional look at conventional wisdom and share some insight about things we thought we knew, things we thought we were taught. So we're kicking it off with a look at a beloved but entirely misunderstood unofficial American holiday. Pour yourself a margarita or grab la cerveza mas fina. But while you sip away, join our managing editor, Rashed Mian, myself, and our editor-in-chief, Christopher Tawarski, and get to know what you're really toasting to. This, my friends, is Cinco de Mayo which you didn't learn in school. Yep, so it's that time of year again. I mean, I think we should all be honest with listeners and state straight up that we're all likely guilty of celebrating this holiday without really understanding its true origins. So let me just ask you about if we were to poll Americans about the history of Cinco de Mayo, what do you think they'd say this day represents? Oh, come on, you know, margaritas, tequila, nachos, mariachi. <laughs> I mean, I think most people would probably say it has something to do with Mexico's independence. Wait, you're not about to tell us that corporate elites co-opted a beautiful, vibrant holiday celebrating Mexican-American heritage that was critical to developing a shared sense of community and pride just so they could cash in? Or that politicians tried to secure the quote-unquote Latino vote for their own selfish desires and sinister agendas? Come on, man. What the hell are you getting at, Rashad? Well, yeah, but there's more, you know, much more to it. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows there's more to it. Uh, you know, I forget the significance of it. Um, I, maybe independence of the Mexican country? I absolutely have no idea. Just a random day out of the month. Uh, each year, it's another day for people to party. Um, I believe it is when Mexico got their independence. Uh, is that their independence day? It's some type of celebration that... They want something, but I don't know what it is. No, no, no. Okay, okay. You mean this? Is this what you're talking about? Thank you all. Please be seated. Siéntese. Bienvenidos. Thank you for coming. The United States and Mexico share a great border, and we share a hopeful future. Tomorrow, people on both sides of that border will celebrate freedom and the courage of all who defend it. I wish you a 
Happy Cinco de Mayo. Quiero los bendiga a los Estados Unidos y también México. Wow. All right, all right, all right. All jokes aside, let's get into it. This is Cinco de Mayo, what you didn't learn in school. Okay, Cinco de Mayo is more than just a holiday. The celebration was born out of an especially tumultuous period for Mexico and the United States. But for Mexican-Americans, this was a particularly trying time, as their two beloved countries were fighting white supremacy and imperialism, respectively. To celebrate Cinco de Mayo is to recall a bloody and traumatic time in history, but also one in which small victories, as with the Battle of Puebla, would galvanize burgeoning Latino communities in California and elsewhere. As David E. Hayes Bautista writes in his book El Cinco de Mayo, An American Tradition, quote, the stakes could not have been higher. Both the United States and Mexico were fighting to survive as nations. Now, by the time we're done, I think we'll all agree that there's nothing wrong about celebrating Cinco de Mayo, but it's critical that we understand its roots and the combined role all these events played in shaping Latinx life in the U.S. for decades. Unless we want more people like Mike Huckabee, who once tweeted, quote, For Cinco de Mayo, I will drink an entire jar of hot salsa and watch old Speedy Gonzalez cartoons and speak Spanish all day. Happy Cinco de Mayo! <laughs> you, sir, are an idiot and definitely not funny. So, let's talk about the spark that ignited Cinco de Mayo and why the holiday still resonates 160 years later. The Players so we've got Mexico, France, the United States, and within it, California. So Mexico at the time was under the leadership of President Benito Juarez, who was elected president in 1861. And ruled by Napoleon III, France's military was widely considered one of the mightiest fighting forces in the world. 85 years after declaring independence, the United States was fracturing over slavery. 11 states, South Carolina, Mississippi, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, Virginia, Arkansas, Tennessee, and North Carolina, seceded from the Union over the preservation of slavery and the South's financial might, igniting a bitter and deadly civil war. The most populous state in the country, California was under Mexican rule from 1821 to 1848 when the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was signed. It officially joined the United States as part of the Compromise of 1850, which permitted its entry as a free state, which it wasn't. The background. There's a lot going on in the Americas around this time. In Mexico, newly elected President Benito Juarez is facing significant challenges and decides to suspend debt payments to several European powers, including Spain, England, and France, or the Triple Alliance. Speaking of the French, Napoleon III ostensibly invades Mexico in retaliation for Juarez's pause in paying off Mexico's debt, even though France was on the hook for less than 5% of the collective debt owed by the Alliance. France's dear leader installed Maximilian of Habsburg as Emperor of Mexico with the express purpose of conquering the country. Back in the good old US of A, 11 states effectively leaned into their depraved humanity and seceded from the Union, creating the Confederate States of America. And make no mistake, 
The South was fighting to preserve slavery, and Latinos understood that to be the South's cause. California is also significant because it was home to a growing Latino population. When the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo was signed, about 6,500 people in California were Spanish or of Mexican descent. The Latino population increased dramatically due to the gold rush, attracting people from various Latin American countries. While going on with their day-to-day lives, they kept an intense focus on the unfolding civil war and, of course, the French intervention in Mexico. And this is where the two crises intersect. As Hayes Bautista notes in his book, Juarez announced the suspension of payments on July 17, 1861, just as Union and Confederate forces were marching to their first battle in a war that would eventually claim more than 600,000 lives. Yeah, but so where are the margaritas? (sighs) This guy. The battle at Puebla. So here we are. Civil war is raging in the United States. And with the Union distracted and unable to enforce the Monroe Doctrine, which warned against the European colonization of the Western Hemisphere, French imperialists descend on Mexico, perhaps sensing an opening to expand European hegemony to the West. That may not have been France's only motivation either. Historians note that the Confederacy wanted to be recognized as a sovereign nation. An acceptance from the French would help slave-owning states gain legitimacy and open the Confederacy up to other economies and expand its riches. Or in Hayes Batista's words, quote, French recognition of the Confederacy might have tipped the balance of the Civil War in favor of the South. Now, Mexican-Americans living in California were gravely concerned about the outcome of the Civil War and thought the fates of the United States and Mexico were intertwined. Hayes Bautista found an editorial written in one of the many Spanish-language newspapers that emerged in the Golden State during this period. In the pages of La Voz de México, the editor wrote, quote, We already have had occasion to prove, in the most indisputable manner, that the cause of the Union is the same one that Mexico is upholding. Whatever may be the result of this great war, our destiny is discovered to be identified with our adoptive country. If the Union should be dissolved, we would be citizens of a fragment of the Great Republic, which, from the moment of its dismemberment, would be an easy prey to the ambitious monarchists of Europe. Spanish-language papers were publishing dispatches of the French intervention as well, which helped shape how Mexican-Americans viewed the conflict, its consequences, and how people of Mexican descent would go on to embrace Cinco de Mayo. Meanwhile, at 9 a.m. on May 5, 1862, the French began their assault on Puebla, located less than 100 miles southeast of the capital, Mexico City. And you have to remember, the French had one of the most feared militaries in the world at this time, and 1852 was the same year that the Second French Empire was born. The Mexican forces defending Puebla had been described as a ragtag group of soldiers that were dangerously outnumbered. Along with pounding the French with artillery fire, the Mexican soldiers engaged in hand-to-hand combat, perhaps surprising the French. As Hayes Bautista notes in El Cinco de Mayo, an American tradition, quote, after about five minutes of this, there was a sight that had not been seen involving French troops since Waterloo. After hours of fighting, the French fled. By May 8th, they gave up the effort entirely. It took weeks for news of the outcome of the David versus Goliath battle to reach Mexican-Americans in California, and they rejoiced. To honor the victory, 
Newspapers petitioned citizens to donate whatever they could to fund an honorary sword that would be given to the general who led the forces defending Puebla from the French, Ignacio Zaragoza. In a fitting tribute to the Mexican-American identity, the commissioned sword was decorated with both American and Mexican imagery. Inscribed on the sword was the date, 5 de Mayo de 1862. And they used that sword to chop limes. No? Okay. Continue. Oh, somebody do something about him. Cinco de Mayo was born. So, there you have it, folks. Cinco de Mayo was born. But the story doesn't end there. The celebration of the victory on that day, including the donation effort led by Mexican-Americans in California, gave rise to community-based organizations that would go on to fundraise for additional efforts to support their neighbors. These groups also played a crucial role in keeping the memory of the Battle of Puebla alive by organizing annual Cinco de Mayo events. And of course, the holiday has evolved with each successive generation and became a rallying cry for the Chicano movement of the 1960s. The Cinco de Mayo we celebrate today is largely disconnected from its roots. Like many holidays, it's been co-opted by corporations motivated by dollar signs. It's something Hayes Bautista refers to as Cinco de Mayo's summoning power, something both large corporations and political leaders sought to tap into. Even with all the recognition of this day, it's easy to forget its origins, as well as the larger history surrounding the holiday. Even though Mexican-Americans celebrate the defense of Puebla, it should be noted that France eventually made their way past Puebla after yet another hard-fought battle that lasted 62 days and ultimately conquered Mexico. After the Union secured victory over the Confederacy, the United States was finally able to intervene. Thanks to some U.S. support and with the French under financial pressures, Napoleon's occupation ended in 1866. We'll leave you with the words of Hayes Bautista, whose book greatly informed this episode. Quote, Cinco de Mayo is a genuine American holiday spontaneously created during the Civil War by ordinary Latinos living in California, soon echoed by others in Nevada and Oregon as an expression of their support for freedom and democracy throughout the Americas. Far from being foreign or un-American, it originated in a devoted adherence to these basic American political values by the majority of Latinos in the United States, as well as Mexico and other republics in the Western Hemisphere. At a time when those values were under attack from within and without, it should be remembered that from the beginning, Cinco de Mayo parades have flown the U.S. and Mexican flags side by side as symbolic of this fact. That tradition is still followed today, although the reasons are largely forgotten. So basically, raise those glasses high, but remember just what you're celebrating. The Mexican army's extraordinary victory over the French at the Battle of Puebla and though the Mexican army ultimately lost to the French forces in subsequent battles, their win at Puebla not only was a significant morale boost for the people of Mexico, symbolizing the country's ability to defend its sovereignty against a powerful foreign nation, but in fact it had robbed the Confederacy of a mighty ally in France. Thus, a loss at Puebla could have tipped the American Civil War in favor of the slave-loving South, likely casting black, brown, and indigenous peoples throughout all of the United States and Mexico in the vicious, brutally torturous chains of slavery far into the foreseeable future, maybe even to this day. 
Yeah, and what's crazy is just how lost all this incredible history and vast significance has become as our corporate overlords have successfully co-opted it all into a major marketing bonanza, whereby Corona, for instance, spends millions in commercials and Americans collectively dish out more than $735 million on beer and malt beverages alone making Cinco de Mayo consistently one of the top grossing booze holidays of the year, even beating out St. Patrick's Day and the Super Bowl. Oh, and you guys are going to love this one. Americans also consume upwards of 81 million pounds of avocados on Cinco de Mayo. Damn, that's a hell of a lot of smoothie ingredients, man. And some pretty guy to have supercharged smoothies on that note too, huh? Well, that's crazy. Well, anyway, happy Mexican Independence Day, everybody. No, oh, no. I mean, Come <sighs> on. Dude, we just went over all this. The whole point of this episode was to dispel that. It has nothing to do with Mexican independence. That's celebrated on September 16th and has to do with the cry of Dolores when Miguel Hidalgo y Castilla rang his church bell and gave the call to arms that triggered the Mexican War of Independence. All right, all right, all right. I'll have to listen to this whole thing again. In any case, Mike Huckabee still sucks. And yes, I do enjoy a good margarita every now and then. And bourbon. Happy Cinco de Mayo, everyone. All right, y'all, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to check out all of our episodes, whether there are full deep dives mixing journalism with music and lyrical brilliance, or This Week in Social Justice, or upcoming episodes of What You Didn't Learn in School. Follow us on socials at US Newsbeat, and feel free to send us your comments or suggestions for topics to cover at newsbeat at moreycreative.com. That's newsbeat at M-O-R-E-Y creative.com. Feel free to leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you listen to us. But most of all, help spread love and share this episode with a friend or two. Until next time, my name is Manny Faces. And on behalf of the Newsbeat, Maury Creative, and Manny Faces Media teams, we thank you for listening. Peace. Peace.